from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. Find us wherever it is you get your podcast. Thank you for listening to and downloading this edition of the Craig Needles Podcast. We want to continue to have conversation about our homeless hubs in the community. And here on Wednesday, we got finally the 69-page document called the Hubs Implementation Plan. It's on the City of London's website. You can also go see it if you go to londonnewstoday.ca. It's there. The links are there, the whole thing. It goes through what we want to see happen with these hubs. So here are some of the key takeaways that I've noticed. And then we're going to get into a conversation with, with Kevin Dickens with the City of London about that. Here are some of the key takeaways. For starters, the hubs will not be in Oldies Village on Dundas Place or on Richmond Row. They will not be near elementary schools, splash pads, wading pools, or on the inside of residential neighborhoods. They will not be near licensed daycares or city parks. That's where they will not be. So as you can imagine, it kind of limits where they will be when we have all those conditions. And I don't know if we need all those conditions. And you're going to hear me talk about that with Kevin Dickens. Full disclosure, I've already had that conversation with him. Uh, We had it just outside of London City Hall on Wednesday afternoon. You're going to hear that very shortly. The report recommends the hubs, which contain up to 35 shelter beds. They be placed near arterial roads, transit routes. The hubs need to be 8,000 to 10,000 square feet, according to what the city's got planned out right now. You're going to hear exactly how things are going to work when people get to the hubs from Kevin Dickens. But I think that the plan here makes sense. However, this is the key thing. We need buy-in from the feds in the province. I think the plan makes sense if we get the province and the feds to say, we're going to help you with mental health care. We're going to help you with capital costs for building housing. If that doesn't occur, this plan was doomed from the get-go. But that was always the case. That was always the stakes here, is that if the hell, if the province and the feds are not on board, this was not going to work out. Now, if the province really wanted to be on board with helping people facing poverty, they would raise Ontario Works and ODSP rates. Of course, that is an issue dating back several governments. You know how I feel about that. If you listen to this podcast ever or me on the radio ever, you know how I feel that Ontario Works and ODSP rates are way, 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 way too low and need to be increased almost immediately, doubled almost immediately if the provincial government decides they want to have a soul. That is not how Doug Ford or Kathleen Wynne or Dalton McGinty or Mike Harris or Ernie Eves have decided to go, whatever. Uh, But that's the situation that we're in. The city can help in the meantime, even the province isn't necessarily on board with that, but they need capital funds. They want to get people off the streets, which is good. They want to help people who are dealing with addiction issues or mental health issues when they look for that help, which is good. And they know in this report, and the mayor said it before, Josh Morgan said it several times, getting people off the streets reduces stressors on the healthcare system, on emergency services systems, on social services. So even if you don't care about people who are living on the streets, you should, but even if you don't, one would think you should care about the efficacy of public services like the ones I just mentioned. And helping the homelessness issue helps those services. That's a fact. 
The uh, annual operating uh, cost for these hubs is about $2.7 million. And that to me is somewhat worth it. That to me makes a whole lot of sense. $2.7 million to operate three to five hubs. Yeah, that's, you know, what, eight, 10, $12 million a year, depending on where we are on the three to five and how close we are to 2.7, whatever. But if that gets people off the street and helps people seek care for health afflictions they may have, that's a win for me. That qualifies as something that really is important and worth some cash. Now, the city has also noted there are priority populations that will be offered service to the initial hubs. Uh, those priority populations are Indigenous peoples, uh, people aged 16 to 25, couples and families, women, and medically complex individuals. So for the most part, single men are going to be excluded from that. Single white men. And even single black men. and Basically, non-Indigenous single men. Uh, I know some people don't necessarily love that. I, I think it's pretty clear as to why that's the case. Statistically, and this is backed up by the numbers, that is the portion of the population that is in the least danger when dealing with homelessness. I wish we could help everybody immediately. That sounds great, but that's sadly not the way this works. We've got to walk before we can run here. So let's hear from Kevin Dickens about this. And Kevin Dickens, the Deputy City Manager of Social and Health Development. With the, uh, with the city of London. And I talked to him just outside of City Hall all Wednesday. And I felt that it was a really good conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it. It's about 20 minutes long. Here's my conversation with Kevin Dickens with the city of London in regards to how this plan for the homeless hubs was rolled out. And the first thing I asked him was, when someone arrives at one of these hubs, how's it going to work? What, what response are they going to get from the people who are working? at these hubs. Yeah, I think what we're going to see in the plan is a lot of details around uh, the specific criteria for where the hubs should be located and, you know, some of those uh, common sense, if you will, or some of the feedback from the community about where they should not be located. Uh, you're also going to see uh, details about uh, collaborative working models. You'll see a draft preliminary budget. Uh, we'll see a number of service standards, core functions that are uh, to be delivered in each of the plans. Uh, really what the hubs plan walks through is like, this is our template. This is our blueprint for how we're going to get people indoors off the streets this year uh, and provide that one-stop wraparound care for individuals. So how's it going to work? Someone goes into a hub and, and, and what happens next? What are their options going to be? What are, uh, what are the, what's the way the, the, the workflow is going to be for this particular person? Yeah, so we're starting with um, a bit of a temporary or interim uh, referral process. So leveraging existing uh, city programs for a coordinated access program, but also on-site referrals and intakes at the hubs. Uh, individuals would be welcome into a hub. The hubs are 25, 35 beds, depending on uh, size of location and population we're serving and really what we see works well from those lead agencies. Uh, but individuals would uh, make their way into a hub. Uh, they would have access to a bed where they could stay. Uh, there would be some beds that are more transitional or uh, respite in nature, so people may come and go and not stay for as long. Uh, but that mix of beds would allow people the opportunity to engage with primary care, mental health services, addiction services, uh, looking at that uh, baseline case management support. In those spaces, those individuals would be uh, connected to um, uh, income supports through 
OW, ODSP. We would have housing supports there to make sure we're starting that process of, you know, on day one, we're not like, hey, let's get you into an apartment. But on day one, it's like, we need to really look at what your future is here in terms of how we can get you housed with support. So let's start talking about what we need to do that to make that happen. And, and really what you're gonna see is a lot of relationship building so that we can get people in off the streets, develop that rapport, provide those wraparound care, you know, access to food, shower, laundry, uh, that primary care, like I mentioned, uh, so that we can help them uh, start to uh, work on a pathway to highly supportive housing. Is there an infrastructure for the amount of mental health care and the amount of addictions assistance? Does that exist now to the point where we can have a referral system set up and there's enough care for people who need those things? So what the Hubs plan articulates is a, a mix of services that will be on site all day, all the time. Uh, and then services that would be uh, brought in on more of a scheduled or rotational basis. And then services that might be accessed through like a referral process. In there, uh, this entire Hubs plan has been designed by individuals from the mental health sector be it institutional mental health through St. Joseph's Healthcare and, and uh, the inpatient uh, services team, or through community mental health, which is through CMHA. So those experts have actually helped us design uh, the way the hub works. So those commitments are being made uh, to make sure those services are being provided on site. And, and those services have suffered, I think is, is fair to say, and that's not all on municipal government. I think there's federal and, and provincial responsibility there. In fact, significantly more federal and provincial responsibility when it comes to those services suffering and, and us not having the same options as far as someone asking for care where they're going to go. So is part of this and how much of this conversation surrounds talking to the province about mental health care and, and, and a place where someone can go if they, if they need that type of assistance? Yeah, what this uh, hubs plan also gives us is a unified ask. Mm -hmm. which we haven't had before. Right. Uh, people have had to chase grants or chase funding or compete for funding. Uh, and one of the significant byproducts of this is not going to be just the bricks and mortar and the amazing service that happens inside, but it's also the fact that we're going to have a unified voice when we go to the province and we go to the feds to say, this is our community plan designed by the community, for the community, with the community. Right. So cliche. Um, but this is what we have is a, a unified ask now when we go forward. This is where we're going to provide. And it's also those, uh, those institutions, those organizations coming to the table and also acknowledging, okay, what we have now are great services, great programs. But collectively as a system, it's not working. It's not an integrated, connected system. So while they're all good, great services independently, it's creating those gaps in service and those lags in service time. So uh, I'm excited by the fact that all of those partners have been at the table, uh, and this is what we're moving forward with. Uh, you mentioned locations as far as where we want these to be, where we don't want these to be. In the report, it says we don't want these hubs right now to be on Dundas Place. We don't want them on Richmond Row, and we don't want them in Old East. Why were those the locations identified as spots where we don't want these things? Uh, so part of uh, informing this hubs plan was to do some pretty robust uh, community engagement. And at numbers of responses, I don't know we've seen in quite a while municipally. Uh, over 1,500 responses to our online survey. Uh, we did five community open houses, two business dedicated open houses, uh, close to 600 people participating in those. Uh, great turnouts. Uh, a lot of that feedback is like, you know, we need to uh, stay out of Old East Village. Uh, we've heard that 
at the municipal political level. We've heard that through Old East Village uh, BIAs and, and those engagements, and that's valuable feedback. Over-concentrated services, trying to accomplish something on an economic side. Um, and also, you know, part of the service delivery network is like, okay, well, maybe it doesn't need to be right smack dab in the middle of Dundas Flex Street. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe there are other options. So uh, what you see in the plan is actually a reflection of all of the uh, community input and community feedback. Now, there's a London police satellite office, for lack of a better term, on the Dundas Flex Street. Would going someplace near there have made sense, or was that ever a consideration just based on the proximity to where London police officers would be? I know that uh, there's going to be members of the community who are concerned about uh, policing or enforcement surrounding these hubs. So was that ever part of the conversation? No, and it, like proximity to uh, police stations or police uh, outposts or detachments wasn't part of that conversation. And I don't think putting it right next door to a you know, the downtown foot patrol office is necessarily aligning with what they're meant to do either, sure. but also yeah. not necessarily something we wanted to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I understand that makes sense. So uh, other places that we don't want to see these things, according to the report, we don't want them near schools, near daycare centers. Why were those spots identified as places where we don't want to go? Well, some of that criteria at the surface level if I'm being honest, is uh, feels a little stigmatizing to population. And that was my thought too. Is that what, yeah? And why why are we saying that? Hey, we don't want these folks near kids. A high high percentage of folks who are in the homeless population aren't going to bother anyone. Aren't going to bother any kids. So why are we saying that in the report? What we've tried to do is give ourselves the best chance of success for the first cluster of hubs. Right. And. We felt that our best chance of success was to really honor the feedback that came through. And the public at all the open houses were putting up sticky notes or filling out surveys that said, do not put this next to my kid's school. Don't put this next to a daycare. Don't put this next to a splash pad. And so I think we need to reflect that back and and recognize we heard the community. Now, is that going to be the case forever? Maybe. I don't know. Um, But for our best chance of success for the first three to five hubs, you know, we're going to honor that community feedback and be be, uh, cognizant of the fact that that's what the community has asked us to consider. Okay. Uh, That really, I think, I don't know if limits is the right word, but all of a sudden it does become a difficult game of, hey, what's this going to be close to or what's this going to be not close to and where are we going to have a spot where this works out that makes sense on transit lines near major arterial roads? Uh, So that becomes hard to find where these first three to five hubs might be. Do you have any spots in mind or is it going to be as difficult to to find these spots as as I'm saying? Well, we've been using um, an interactive map, uh, planning map, through uh, some of our city departments as part of these uh, planning sessions and, and developing the plan. And it was actually pretty interesting to see how many spaces are still available throughout the city. When you start to layer on zoning, you start to layer on schools and childcare, it still lends itself to quite a few options uh, that still match all that other criteria. So I think, you know, I'm fairly optimistic we're going to find spaces that, that meet that criteria for where they should be and, and really uh, reflects uh, our best chance of making these things successful. So here's where this might become difficult, is we're saying we don't want these spaces near schools, we don't want these spaces near splash pads, which I understand you're saying that's not necessarily something you, you, you loved, and uh, I, I, get why we, uh, I get why that's in there. But if we're saying that out of one breath and then telling a community, okay, we're going to put this next to your house out of the other side of our mouths, does, are those contradictory messages that, hey, you shouldn't have to worry about this if this is on your block, but at the same time, we don't want it near schools. Are those messages contradictory to folks who may have this uh, a hub move into their neighborhood well one of the criteria is, is uh, well is uh, not in like densely populated neighborhoods so not putting it in uh, in a neighborhood setting right um, again for the privacy and the respect of those accessing services but also not 
to just plop a health and uh, wellness hub right in the middle of a neighborhood. Right. So uh, I think we're going to avoid that contradictory piece um, uh, because that is also in that, that criteria. So I think we should be okay on that front. Okay. Uh, so do you have any spots in mind or things that you've thought of already? Uh, like, okay, I've, I've circled this spot or circled this particular property. I know you're probably not going to tell me what it is if the answer is yes, but do you have any in mind right now? Uh, I don't because that's not part of my expertise is sure. finding those spaces. One thing we've been benefiting from is um, having a, a number of developers who've been participating so as far back as the first summit in November that have said, you know, put their hand up uh, and said, you know, we're in this for the long haul. We're in here to pull out all the stops and we're here to help. And uh, that's where that expertise is going to come in handy is looking at here's our criteria for where they go, where they don't go. Here's what we're trying to, uh, to seek out uh, and letting those experts uh, do that work to help us find those locations. So what happens once we get these locations, they're up and running, we get the first three to five, what are the metrics for success going to be in your estimation? At uh, the most basic sense, it's um, we really want to make sure we're preventing those preventable deaths. Right. Um, so fewer deaths, more people housed, absolutely. Uh, we want to, over time, decrease encampments, uh, really providing people a, a better option uh, to receive care. Uh, but we are standing up our system foundations table. It's one of our implementation tables along with the workforce development, things like that. This table is going to help co-design uh, really what some of those key uh, performance indicators, what a measurement framework looks like, what an evaluation framework looks like. Uh, leveraging existing infrastructure and existing tools that exist uh, more in the healthcare industry, but... Uh, modifying those to a community-based setting uh, so that we can actually be really tangible about what it is we're trying to measure. I think throughout this entire uh, existence of hubs, neighborhood engagement is going to be so key. Yeah. So we can measure all kinds of things, ins and outs and touch points and this and number of people house. Uh, but we're also going to have to make sure we're still doing the community engagement, the neighborhood engagement, to understand what is that experience like and how can we, uh, how can we continue to improve it, uh, how can we continue to be a good neighbor to, to those folks, uh, and make sure we actually are truly making a positive impact. Uh, so let's just say we are making a positive impact after the first three to five come in. That's great. Where do we do for the next ones? Because it's not going to be just three to five. So then uh, where, what sort of timeline will we be on for beyond three to five? Or do we not know that yet? I don't have a concrete timeline on that, Craig. Uh, but what has to happen and what is happening in, in parallel is uh, advancing the number of highly supportive housing units right. we have. So the key is housing. Housing is health care. We've been saying it. It's a fundamental human right. We need more housing. Uh, We've heard loud and clear, and we know this uh, through experience, putting high-acuity individuals into rank-geared income housing does not work. They don't have the supports. It's not mm -hmm. what, what community housing is meant to do. Uh, so as we start to outpace hubs with highly supportive housing, uh, we will start to see a significant impact on uh, those uh, individuals that are successful in making that leap, but also it will give us a better sense of how big do we need to scale. It may never be 12 to 15. Yeah. Like... You may, may, may not need it. It may not at all. Uh, so we're really looking at, uh, you know, really advancing that housing front on the affordability side, but also on the highly supportive side so we can get people housed, keep them housed, uh, and help them achieve some of that stability. Uh, you mentioned uh, high acuity individuals and, and, and barrier, uh, low barrier, high barrier for housing is something that uh, I've seen a lot in my Twitter mentions and had people uh, tell me about that on the street or whatever. And these are people that in, in some cases are folks who have either experienced being homeless or are currently homeless talking about, I want there to be a high barrier spot for me to go. And other folks saying, well, no, it's got to be low barrier because there are people struggling with addictions and, and we 
can't ask them to quit whatever it is they're doing before they get housing because that's unfair. And I, and I see where everyone's coming from that. I truly do. So when we're talking about barriers to housing, how does the city thread that particular needle? That's a delicate balance. But um, so the, I'll, I'll offer this. The, the, the folks that are really defining and designing what highly supportive housing looks like uh, come from a number of different backgrounds and perspectives and ideologies and experiences. And what we've been able to do is start to work uh, forward on more of a laser-focused, clear community definition on, on highly supportive housing. What we are proposing, though, is that low barrier does not mean no rules, right? Low barrier is really about a way of providing service uh, to engage with people in a different way. Um, does that mean that we're going to have 100 high-acuity people in the same building and it's a free-for-all? No, what we're trying to do is create models that barely exist, you know, Indwell is a fantastic partner. There are others out there that do this well. YOU is, is great at doing supportive housing. Do those two models look different? Yeah. But can we get them to look uh, consistent across all service providers and, and create housing where uh, people can know what to expect and we can know what we want to see in those service delivery uh, spaces? I think so. And I think with the highly supportive housing, we're creating something that you know, will meet the needs of different populations in terms of, I need a safe place that I can rest my head at night. Uh, I'm not forced to leave. This is where I live, uh, but I can be assured safety and security. And I, and I think we see that in some spaces and that's the bar we're trying to raise. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people in this community who are highly invested in this and for good reason. And they're going to have very, very different opinions as far as how this should look what this service should be, how this is going to progress. There's going to be some people on council who have very, very different opinions as far as how this is going to look. How do you balance that when you and your colleagues are coming up with a plan and coming up with a way to move forward with something like this? Well, we have had a lot of different ideas come forward already. I mean, this the, the Hub's plan is the culmination of different ideas. It is literally the product of everybody coming to the table with a different mindset, a different ideology, a different plan on what they want to see happen. Um, and so we have many different ideas that have, that have uh, led us to this point. And there are many ideas that still exist out there on how we should do things. We're really confident that this hub's plan is going to meet uh, the needs of the individual. And that's what we're trying to center back to is put the individual at the center of this. Uh, let's put the services in place to help those people get off the streets into care. And if there are pathways for them to choose to go to recovery if that's what they choose in a formal recovery center, then we can help facilitate that. We've got to make sure that recovery center is there, though. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. collectively... Yeah, not the city of London. We're talking about the province and the you're feds, right, too. You're right. Yeah. So let's, let us create a space where we can get people off the street so we can actually have that conversation, and they can make those choices about where they go, be it recovery, be it through harm reduction models, be it through uh, connections back to family uh, or into housing. And, and so I think that is where we're going to really see... Uh, different options still exist. And even on the housing, what does the housing look like? Size, scale, amenities, like there are going to still be room for many different ideas. Uh, certainly. Uh, I want to ask where London Police fit in this for you, because some would say London Police should have no involvement in this whatsoever. Some would say London Police should have heavy involvement. Where does this fit in in your estimation as far as what type of reliance there should be on police or policing? I, and I don't think anyone credible thinks that we can police our way, quote-unquote police our way, out of homelessness. But what involvement do the police have in your estimation? I think the incarceration piece is, is probably well documented about the effectiveness of that. but Or lack thereof. Right, right, sorry, yeah. Um, 
Uh, I think police are probably best to answer that question. But what I can say is that uh, we've benefited from police being um, at every single table. They're they're showing up to our workforce development tables. They're coming to our housing tables, the hubs table. They were they were a big influence in helping to design this and provide feedback on it. Uh, the, the London Police Services sits on our strategy and accountability table. Uh, we we've had their involvement all the way along, and you know, very. Uh, humble and respectful in their presence as well and uh, recognizing where the role could be and should be and where it is not so but I think in terms of the minutia and, and what that looks like in a detailed sense that's probably something the police are probably still figuring out themselves yeah and I, I think well we don't have to get too deep into it I don't think the police want to be deal, dealing with someone who is having a mental health situation in the downtown core there, there should be someone else who can deal with that or, but that's a whole different conversation for a different podcast so before we wrap up here, Kevin, because I know that you're, uh, you're getting a little tight for time, what do you think the public is going to, or how do you hope the public reacts to this? Because you said we're going to need everybody to buy in for this to work. So what are you going to want to hear from members of council and members of the public, both, when we're discussing this plan? I think what we're hoping, well, what I'm hoping to see is that we have a recognition that this, this is something that is fundamentally different. And I get the question, well, tell me how it's different. I, I agree. The collaborative service delivery model, where we are putting primary and acute health care under the same roof as social services uh, and, and the, the suite of services that will be available to people, is fundamentally different. Doing it on a scale where it's 25 to 35 beds and not in large-scale congregate living settings so we can create safe spaces for people, that is fundamentally different. Being housing-centric. The focus of this is to help people get stabilized to get them into housing is fundamentally different. So I hope that that's appreciated and it's hard to, to capture that in a 46 page hubs plan or whatever right. number of pages our report is. Um, but that's what I hope that people see is that we're, we are literally trying to change the way the system operates now to do something that puts the person at the center of it. And I would say if, as being one of 47 service managers in Ontario that's responsible for this file, the other 46 see it as fundamentally different, and they're keenly excited about it as well. How much of this hinges on the province and the feds being on board? Because there's, you know, big $200 million price tags on housing and things along those lines that the city's not going to be able to do. Yeah, well, I think it takes all levels of government to be involved in this. Uh, the federal government's uh, really great at providing funding that uh, can be directed to capital. Uh, I think they've been a huge partner on our rapid housing initiatives and reaching home and things like that. Uh, the province, in terms of those operating do dollars, uh, you know, this is a health care plan. So uh, health dollars are going to be critical going forward. It's why probably the mayor spends a lot of his time advocating closely with federal and provincial politicians. And our job as municipal staff is to make sure we're keeping uh, council informed with all the details, but we're doing our best to keep MPPs and MPs informed as well because their engagement and their participation in this is going to be, you're right, it's going to be vital. That's Kevin Dickens, who of course is with the City of London. He's been one of the folks that's responsible for this hubs plan, which you can read at londonnewstoday.ca. And I think that there's a lot of good things in the plan. However, I keep coming back to this. As much as me, what we might want to say, hey, getting people off the streets is, is, is step one. I agree. As much as me might want to say, the more people we get off the streets, the more people we can keep fed, the better off we're going to be. We're going to have less deaths. I agree with that entirely too. But the end goal has to be housing, safety, and stability. And not, none of the, the other two cannot happen without housing. So get more people housed. That's the city's plan. That's what they want to do. That's good. Check mark. Can they make that happen in some cases? 
if we're talking about someone dealing with addiction, someone talking about talking about someone who has mental health issues or other medical issues, do we have enough capacity in these systems in order to make that happen? Right now, I think the answer is very clearly no. No, we do not. Not the case. So the federal government and the provincial government have to get off their asses and be part of this. You're either part of the solution or part of the problem. And right now, governments at all levels are part of the problem. The city of London is at least making an attempt here to be part of the solution. Will that work? We'll see. But it's not going to work if the federal government is not involved. And the provincial government is not involved. It just won't. It's not going to happen. So that's what we need to see and hear in the coming days and the coming weeks and the coming months about this. Because the hubs, great plan. I really do believe that if these hubs are done properly, they will save lives. I really believe that. And I really believe that we want to be in a situation where there are few to no encampments in the city. Encampments are a bad thing. I know that's controversial to say in some corners, but encampments are bad and we should be working to make sure there there are none. I don't blame people who live in encampments for the most part because they have no other options. I'm not saying it's their fault. However, encampments generally produce bad outcomes, not just for the people who are living there, but the people in surrounding neighborhoods. So we should be working to make sure there are no encampments. What's that going to look like? What's that going to mean? Well, we got to get people housed. Keeps coming back to that. And we're not going to be able to get everyone housed unless we deal with the significant mental health and physical health and addictions deficits that we've created in the system. It's not going to happen. So it's time to get serious. I hope the city is getting serious. I hope the federal government's getting serious. I the provincial government is getting serious. My skepticism remains high. I don't think we're going to get serious buy-in from the upper levels of government, if I'm being honest, or at least not to the point where it's actually going to make a difference. I hope I'm wrong. But my skepticism remains high. We'll see. But the hubs, once we get talking about those, maybe we get those approved at council next week. I think they will make a positive difference. I do. I think they will make a well, they're a well-timed thing as far as when they're coming in. I know this is taking a little bit longer than a lot of folks wanted to, but I think that the timing here is good and they will make a positive difference. How big a difference will they make depends on what we can get for housing, what we can get from the feds on mental health care and the province rather on mental health care and addictions care. So we'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, wrap up this edition of the Craig Needles podcast here. We'll have another episode tomorrow. No episode on Friday uh, that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be away. I'm actually going to be away on Thursday as well. But uh, I've got a pre-recorded episode coming up for you tomorrow to replace the Friday episode. So thank you very much for listening to and downloading this edition of the Craig Needles podcast, which of course can be found at classicrock981.com, londonnewstoday.ca, and on your very favorite podcast app. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 